Hey everybody, happy Monday. Pastor Sam here coming to you today with a very special Holy Week Monday devotional. Uh, This week we'll be taking a closer look at the very raw and the very real last days leading up to the trials and crucifixion of Jesus of Nazareth. As we begin this five-day journey together, I pray that God draws us towards a deeper chasm of faith and a wider horizon of love. My greatest desire for this time each day is that we can approach these scriptures with honesty and curiosity. I know that this story is a familiar one to many, but my hope is that this brief brief study devotional, uh, that we are able to slow down long enough this Easter season and focus uh, to experience the transformational power of the passion of Christ. So now let's close our eyes, quiet our minds, and let's prepare our hearts for worship. you into our hearts. 
Let's take a look at what we're looking at. Uh, we'll be examining scriptures uh, from the first four books of the New Testament in the Bible, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, known as uh, the Gospels. Uh, they are eyewitness accounts uh, recording some of the teachings and events in the life of Jesus. Now, we should probably stop right here and point out the fact that all four Gospels uh, do not necessarily coincide perfectly, word for word, uh, and we'll touch briefly on that, but for the most part, we'll be examining the commonly understood events of each day of this Holy Week. So, uh, why don't the Gospels always seem to match up as, as far as order of events or other details? Uh, one thought is that each book should not be examined against each other, rather examined within itself. E each book has its own uh, perspective and direction. Ultimately, each account has uh, recounted and recorded, uh, they were, they were recorded by uh, human beings that have uh, very different understandings and, and emphasize uh, uh, what, what they're trying to portray in very different audiences, uh, diff different ways to different audiences. So what, what some may view as um, uh, discrepancies, I tend to think of more as a poetic license from a reliable source. Does that make sense? Uh, different people will include different details uh, of the exact same event, right? So there are traditionally two particular um, events that occur on the first day of Holy Week, um, appropriately called Holy Monday. Imagine that. Uh, so what were they, ask? So they are Jesus clearing the temple, uh, which represents uh, removal of the uh, obstacles of grace, right? That's Jesus is, all, there's always a lesson in all that he does. Um, and then Jesus curses the fig tree. Uh, it's representative of God's people being all hat and no cattle, um, all foliage and no fruit, all, all front and no faith, I suppose. Yeah. So uh, you may be thinking, I thought Jesus already cleared the temple. Yeah, well, he did, and this is the second time. Let's, let's, let's actually, we can look at those two accounts pretty quickly. Um, the, the first account in John, uh, Jesus clearing the temple, is two years, actually, about two years prior to, um, to these, the, the Holy Week, the, 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 the final week of Christ. John 2, 13 through 22 says, Jesus clears the temple. It was nearly time for the Jewish Passover celebration. So Jesus went to Jerusalem. In the temple area, he saw merchants selling cattle, sheep, and doves for sacrifices. He also saw dealers at tables exchanging foreign money. Fifth, uh, Jesus made a whip from some ropes and chased them all out of the temple. He drove out the sheep and the cattle scattered, the money changers, uh, coins over the floor and turned over their tables. Uh, then going over to the people who sold doves, he, sold, he told them, get these things out of here. Stop turning my father's house into a marketplace. Then his disciples remembered his prophecy from the scriptures, passion for God's house will consume me. But the Jewish leaders demanded, what are you doing? If God gave you authority to do this, show us a miraculous sign to prove it. All right, Jesus replied, destroy this temple, and in three days I will rise it up again. 
What? They exclaimed. It has taken 46 years to build this temple, and you can rebuild it in three days. But when Jesus said this temple, he meant his body. After he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered he had said this, and they believed both the scriptures and what Jesus had said. So this event happened two years before the Holy Week Passover, in which Jesus began, uh, in which Jesus uh, again cleared the temple and, and flipped flipped the tables. So, so what are some things that that that, uh, that are that are similar here? Uh, Jesus confront, was confronted by the Jewish leaders. Jesus is. Uh, References to the, to the future crucifixion and resurrection are, are pretty apparent there. And, and if we fast forward now, or, or not really fast forward, if we jump over to Matthew, uh, Mark, and Luke's account of Jesus' clearing the temple, it's actually two years later. and has, um, uh, it, It's similar accounts, but it's just a different timeline. But we'll look at Matthew real quick. Uh, Matthew 21, 12, 22 is, is Matthew's account. Jesus entered the temple and began to drive out all the people buying and selling animals for sacrifices. He knocked over the tables of the money changers and the chairs of those selling doves. He said to them, the scriptures declare, my temple will be called a house of prayer, but you have turned it into a den of thieves. The blind and the lame came to him in the temple and he healed them. The leading priests and the teachers of religious law saw these wonderful miracles and heard even the children in the temple shouting, Praise God for the Son of David. But the leaders were indignant. They asked Jesus, Do you hear what these children are saying? Yes, Jesus replied. Haven't you ever read the scriptures where they say, You have taught children and infants to give you praise. Then he returned to Bethany stayed overnight. Uh, Mark's account, uh, Mark 11, 15 through 19 says, when they arrived back in Jerusalem, Jesus entered the temple and began to drive out the people buying and selling animals for sacrifices. He knocked over the tables of the money changers and the, and the chairs of those selling doves, and he stopped everyone from using the temple as a marketplace. He said to them, the scriptures declare my temple will be a house of prayer for all nations, but you have turned it into a den of thieves. When the leading priests and teachers of religious law heard what Jesus had done, they began planning to kill him, but they were afraid of him because of the people who were so amazed at his teachings. That evening, Jesus and his disciples left the city. And finally, Luke's Gospel, 19, uh, chapter 19, verses 45 through 48 says, Then Jesus entered the temple and began to drive out the people selling animals for sacrifices. He said to them, The scriptures declare, My temple will be a house of prayer, but you have turned it into a den of thieves. After that, he taught daily in the temple, but the leading priests and teachers of religious law and the other leaders of the people began planning how to kill him. But they could think of nothing, because all the people hung on every word he said. So what do you notice about this? Uh, there's some references in here. Um, there's a real mood shift of the religious leaders from confrontational to uh, uh, confrontational and authoritative to like secretive and conspiring, right? I mean, you see, we see this transition in this final week in this in this first day, the Monday. <laughs> Sounded like sounds like the Pharisees got a case of the Mondays. There's a real mood shift for sure. We see this shift because the masses have been enlightened now, right? Uh, God has enlightened the masses through Christ and uh, shifted their devotion from the church now uh, to the kingdom. So it's kind of scary for the religious leaders. So Jesus clears the temple. Uh, what's that all about anyways? I mean, 
So we can take it at face value. Jesus didn't want crooks and swindlers being, you know, profiting off of people seeking God, but uh, it could also be considered uh, that it's representative of, of, of Him removing the obstacles of grace in our lives and bridging the gap uh, between us and God. It's it's a very, very real, tangible um, example of how Christ does that. It removes those barriers, gets those money changers out of the way, those requirements of the of the religious uh, law. Uh, so the other commonly recognized event that happened on Holy Monday was somewhat of a strange one, and it's easy to skip over some of these verses and just, they just don't make sense, and we, and, well, they kind of don't make sense to some of us, uh, it makes sense to, to me a lot, but um, let's take a closer look at Jesus' encounter here with this uh, unwitting fig tree. So Matthew 21, 18 through 19 says, in the morning as Jesus was returning to Jerusalem, he was hungry. And he noticed a fig tree beside the road. He went over to see if there were any figs, but there were only leaves. Then he, said, then he said to the tree, May you never bear fruit again. And immediately the fig tree withered up. The disciples were amazed and they, uh, when they saw this, and they asked, How did that fig tree wither so quickly? Then Jesus told them, I tell you the truth. If you have faith and don't doubt, you don't do things like this. You, you can do things like this and much more. You can even say to this mountain, may you be lifted up and thrown into the sea and it will happen. You can pray for anything and if you have faith, you will receive it. Mark's gospel says the same. The next morning as they were leaving Bethany, Jesus was, was hungry. He noticed a fig tree full of leaves a little ways off. So he went over to it and see if he could find any figs. But there were only leaves because it was too early in the season for fruit. Then Jesus said to the tree, may you never... May, may no one ever eat fruit from you again. And the disciples heard him say it. So notice that in Matthew's account, the fruit tree withers immediately. In Mark's account, we don't actually see the tree wither. Well, at least not right away. Uh, Mark 11, 20 through 25 says, The next morning as they passed by the fig tree that he had cursed, the disciples noticed that it had withered from the roots up. Peter remembered that Jesus had said this, uh, said to the tree on the previous day, and exclaimed, Look, Rabbi, the fig tree you cursed has withered and died. Then Jesus said to the disciples, Have faith in God. I tell you the truth, you can say to this mountain, May you be lifted up and thrown into the sea, and it will happen. But you must really believe it. <laughs> yeah, um, you must have no doubt in your heart. And I tell you, you can pray for anything, and if you believe that you've received it, it will be yours. But when you're praying, first forgive anyone you are holding a grudge against so that your Father in Heaven can forgive your sins too. Even though Mark's account has this particular portion of the story happening uh, on Tuesday morning, this evening we will examine uh, this lesson of the fig tree as one continuous event. So Jesus curses a fig tree. What's that all about? We got, we got him flipping tables. We got him cursing fig trees. Uh, but notice that both accounts says that Jesus was hungry and he hoped to find fruit on the fig tree. But he only found foliage. The fig tree may very well represent Jerusalem, especially fresh on the heels of Palm Sunday, on which the people of Jerusalem came out with branches and, and leaves to lay down at the feet of Jesus. The imagery of the fruitless foliage is indicative of the people's faith. There's an old saying that refers to someone as all hat and no cattle. This may describe someone that looks and acts the part, but that really has no experience or that talks a big game but can't back it up. 
This may be the lesson that Jesus is teaching his disciples, that we, we can sing and dance and shout all we want, but without real faith, we will just wither up and die. Jesus puts the ball in our court by reminding us that our faith produces our fruit, not the other way around. I think this could also be a way of Jesus teaching his disciples an important lesson in their ministries as church leaders. Maybe saying that if we have unrealistic or unfair expectations of others', others spiritual development, that we can actually damage their connection to God. Sometimes the church can require a certain production of fruit, so to speak. And when that demand is not met, the church may actually prevent that person from growing anymore in their relationship with God. It is only when we can have the faith to remain patient and hopeful that we can actually experience a transformation that turns twigs into figs. So it's only the first day of the week and Jesus has already killed a tree, flipped some tables, and stampeded some animals, all while teaching us about our faith and our Father and the freedom that we can find and the deep connection of them both. Mark 11, 19 tells, tells us that that evening Jesus and his disciples left the city. Where'd they go? Well, Luke 21, 37 says, Every day Jesus went to the temple to teach, and each evening he returned to spend the night on the Mount of Olives. Can you imagine the mood in the campsite that night? Can you imagine the thoughts and questions going through the disciples' heads? Can you imagine the discussions that were going on? Maybe they were talking, maybe they, they, they weren't talking at all. Maybe they just sat in silence, processing it all, and simply wondering what madness was to come. Whatever was happening that night, it was only the beginning. So what are your, some of your thoughts? As we come to a close of this first night of Holy Week, notice that the week starts out fairly tense. Compare the joy and excitement of Palm Sunday to the dramatic exchanges of Holy Monday. The ongoing journey of Jesus has now taken an intentional turn towards Golgotha. Please join me in a moment now silent reflection as we meditate on these scriptures and the events of this evening and then I'll close in prayer suffering and death of your Son, free us from slavery to sin and death, and protect us in all our weakness, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Everyone have a great day, and be the reason that someone else has a great day. Shalom.